Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Justin Hume, who is the Uranium Insider newsletter writer. He discusses with us what the announcement from the DOE last week could mean for the industry and what his hopes are for this year. We also discuss business models and strategies being employed by some of the mid-tier developers. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Hey, Justin, how are you? Doing very well, Matthew. How are you? Yeah, really positive response from our last conversation. I enjoyed it. I learned some stuff. Um, I guess there's been a few things starting to uh, hit the market. We've, we've, we've seen a, a few things from the DOE, a few numbers thrown yes. out there. What's, what's, what's your reaction? In fact, I tell you what, before you do that, can I, can I just say um, cheers? I think we should say cheers, shouldn't we? Should we do this for the same? There you go. There you go. Cheers. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we obviously read, read that, that um, release last week talking about 150 million bucks over 10 years being made available to purchase domestically produced uranium in the US. What was, right. what was your reaction right. when you saw that? Um, my reaction obviously was positive. Um, I think that it was nice to see um, see it actually come official from right. from leaks from last fall. So <clears throat> I was glad to see that portion. I mean, technically it's not over with, it still needs to be, the budget needs to be approved and, and the approval process is year over year. So they can say there's an intention for a 10 year program but it's really a yearly by a year by year approval process for the budget but it's it's a good start it's obviously um something it's something which is what we've just been hoping for something to come of this situation that's been so uh just so long in the tooth so but what do you, um, what it's do you, what not do you, what, it's clearly not a what have you heard what have you heard ahead. in the market when you've been talking to people or writing you know what are people getting back to you i mean do they i know it's something right but Right. Is it enough? Is it just the first salvo? I know we, we've heard conversation about it and, and you know, some more information being released in the next couple of weeks. I mean, what, what do you think you or, or people you've been speaking to need to see in the next couple of weeks? Um, I mean, I don't know that I need to necessarily see anything in the next couple of weeks, but um, I mean, do I think it's enough? No, but it's, it's something, you know, the intention from that program was even stated that there would be two, maybe three companies supported by it. <clears throat> I think clearly that's, you know, the obvious would be UR Energy and Energy Fuels. Yeah. Um, UR Energy being the lowest cost current producer in the US, Energy Fuels, they're sitting on a half million pounds of inventory just sitting in cans mm. ready to sell. So those would be the first immediate beneficiaries. Um, again, it's for 2021. So I don't know what happens between now and then. But I think really the what I'm hoping the overall result from not only this buying program, but whatever else comes out of the working group um, recommendations just kind of gives some sense of relief or closure to the industry and would like to see prices kind of start to move. I mean, that's ultimately the result that I think most investors are looking for unless people are speculating on, on the U.S. companies for this specific direct buying. Well, well if, I, if I look at share, share price, do you think you've seen mm -hmm. a reaction? Do you think you've seen a positive reaction? Um, if you look back only over the past week or two, then yeah. it looks relatively positive. Well, okay. uh, for some of the stocks, 
you know, Energy Fuels announced that um, that bot deal, so the share price yeah. got smacked. What, that so okay are you a buyer no, are you a buyer of their news release did do you buy what they said in the news release as to the use of proceeds why do you think they did it i don't know i mean i'm gonna have to just wait and see let mark answer that in your interview um i mean they've got a huge cash burn they they, they burn what 30 million dollars a year or something like that so they're it's 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 a big nut to make every year and they they need money so I think that it seems like investor sentiment is not all that they're not all that happy about it. I personally don't own the stock, but um, I think that they supposedly have access to ATM funds, you know, at the market uh, share issuance at market prices. So why offer a bot deal at a 10% discount? You know, the retail investor again, again, in this kind of market, that's just consolidating moving sideways or down. It's like the retail investors like, you got to play defense and they're they're just getting smacked around and of course the beneficiary to this deal is the the entity that's taking place in the bot deal they're the ones that win but yeah but you know they need the money and it's like i'm not surprised and i don't know if anybody is surprised it's, it's kind of like just, i i can't speak for mark so yeah, well, we're we're gonna we're gonna speak to him on Friday, right? So we're gonna hear from the guy himself, and we we were trying to work out why now as well, you know. And I, I clearly uh -huh. they're, they're in the middle of it, right? So they're not gonna say anything, but you know, if they get this thing closed off the next few days, they usually take about a week of these things. Um, you know, he might give us an insight. I mean, we could only speculate, but it seemed to be his view seems to be like get on the offense. He talked about defense there. He's like, he's going to get on the offense because he's either reading something really big into the announcement right. from the DOE, right. which, and he knows something right. we don't. Um, or it could be as simple as, well, actually I need to bolster my, um, my uh, balance sheet here um, because yeah. our burn is our burn, you know, a couple of million bucks a month. Um, yeah. Or again, just I'm just just trying to work it, and you know they've obviously got that uh, convert coming due at the end of the year as well. So I think they need to start having conversations, and I think you don't have a conversation sure. about something like that in a position of weakness. I you know a, you know a balance right. sheet which is, is is struggling. You you want it with cash there because I think you get right. better terms. I know because I've sat right. the other side of the table, right? Um, so right. yeah, I, I guess we'll wait till Friday, <laughs> but. It, yeah, it's interesting. The market really yeah, went negative on that. I don't right? want to make too many assumptions, but you know, I mean, they, who knows, like, like you said, he might know something that, that none of us do and there could be very good reason for it. Um, it's we hard shall to see. speculate on that. Exactly. Yeah. Ex exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you, so what do you think the DOE is going to come out and say, I know you said you don't need to see anything, but what, what do you think the market needs? Because like you said, it's, it's not a lot of money. It's not a lot, whole lot of cash, and we're talking about a couple right. of companies with, you know, not that many employees. There's a whole nuclear raft of nuclear reactors out there that, you know, coming to either end of life or you know aren't making money. I mean, what what does the DOE need to say to the market to kind of get people like, really excited, really juiced up? That's a good question. Um, I honestly don't know that that words are going to go that far at this point I, I i think that the spot market needs to move in order for the equities to react um i that's i mean i, I could be wrong they could come out and say something oh we're, we're 10xing the buying program obviously that would make everything move like crazy mm -hmm. but i don't see that happening um i do think that there's going to be um 
further working group recommendations that we're supposedly going to hear this week, next week. I think uh, Secretary Brigat just mentioned, oh, it'll be a few days or a week or two. <laughs> so hopefully that actually happens. There's multiple leaks coming out and, and him speaking directly saying that's coming. Yeah. So I think that the overall industry is definitely going to get some more support um, from in the way of uh, uh, conversion support, enrichment support. Um, we could see some federal mining bans being lifted. We could see uh, some ease of permitting. I think there's going to be huge support for SMRs, which there already seems to be. I'm very pleasantly surprised at how quickly that seems to be moving. And I think that's going to be the United States sort of uh, ace in the hole when it comes to maintaining some sense of uh, competitive advantage globally uh, up against the Chinese and the Russians with their exports. Tell us about that. They announced that they, yeah, well, the, I mean, the Chinese and the Russians have, have this export market for nuclear reactors where they're essentially uh, making deals with other countries where they will um, fund the building of the of the plant. They will um, build the plant. They will train uh, operators and they'll fuel the reactor for the life of the reactor. And so it's um, <clears throat> not only is it just kind of a brilliant move and just from a, a business sense, but it gives these countries just insane leverage uh, politically. So and the United States, I think, is just completely fallen off off the radar when it comes to um, international dealings with with nuclear. And so um, the small the small modular reactors, the SMRs that are being built by a couple of companies in the United States now and being tested, and um, there it's, there seems to be big support from the government in uh, aiding the funding of the research and and potentially utilizing this new technology and in exports. And it's, there's a whole new market, you know, like a, a full size thousand megawatt reactor is multiple sometimes tens of billions of dollars to build and it's a massive uh, power generation that needs a big grid to even accept that type of energy so these smaller uh you know a couple hundred megawatts um and even smaller than that they can they can be placed in much smaller uh, uh how would you say municipalities around the world and uh, so we'll see it, it's looking quite positive and the other thing with the smrs is i don't think potential future growth from from SMRs is baked into any sort of modeling at this point because it's so new. Could be a very big positive demand story over the next, let's say, five to ten years. Yes, I'm saying when you like you're talking about technology there, competing technology there, um, to get the Americans back, you know, at the table, as it were. Um, but that's some ways off from having an impact in the market today. And you know, my favorite subject is, you know, Agreed. how do investors make money today? It's all well and good being aware of this sort of generic movement right. towards being, you know, part of the technical solution for for nuclear, which which is great because it suggests that nuclear yeah. is part of the plans. Good. I don't know, sure. like you say, you know, talk talk is cheap, but you know, money money talks louder, right? <clears throat> so I'm, I'm kind of interested to sort of see, you know, how it does plan, pan out over the next, you know, two, three months in terms of putting some numbers down on pieces of paper. It says here are the areas that need fixing because the, the nuclear industry as a whole in the United States has got real problems. It's got tens of billions of dollars of, of problems, which either the government says we're pro it or we're just going to put sticking plasters over this because, you know, I think... 
the Democrats would say that perhaps they are not as pro as the Republicans are, which you know we then get into this political situation in the United States. Certainly, our reading from out, out, outside. So again, that uncertainty continues. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, sure. it, what what are the discussions that are hap- happening in country, you know, in, in in the states, North America? As far as what specifically? Well, as, as, as regards to you know the the. Um, like the political situation? Yeah, the, well, the, the, poli- the political attitude to nuclear being um, something which, you know, both sides can, can agree on, you know, it becomes, you know, cross-party uh, stra- strategically important as opposed to, you know, Democrats using it against the, the Republicans and the Republicans using it against the Democrats. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we just see this sort of infighting as opposed to just, you know, could you get on and tell us what the infrastructure for our energy needs are going to be for the next 40 years, please? Right. Um, it's it's kind of tough to say. I think you're right that in general, the Republicans are more in support than the Democrats, although there are some Democrats that are fully in support, especially given the... Um, the higher propensity for Democrats to be uh, concerned with climate change and carbon emissions and such. And that certainly seems to be um, a positive sentiment growth situation with nuclear as part of a solution um, in the States and everywhere. Um, It's, I think it being an election year makes it a little bit tricky still, because I think that there's, you know, we have all these positive things potentially coming from the working group and this this thing that we've been waiting for for two years now. And and if Trump is not reelected, depending on who wins, that could have an effect on all of these policies. So it's really hard to kind of hang your hat on exactly what we're going to get from all of this. Um, so obviously, Bernie Sanders is anti-nuclear. Bloomberg is pro-nuclear. Um, I don't know. Those... I mean, it seems like those two people at this point might have the better chance. Um, but then again, I, if I had the bet, I, I bet that Trump probably wins, although I'm not really into betting on these sort of things. But I do think he still has the upper hand as the incumbent. And um, as long as the economy can hang on, he probably has a good chance. But this so, isn't just political speak. You know, let, let's right. we've got to appease lots of groups. So let's start a process talking around nuclear solution, um, budgets, et cetera. But then since the election's over, well, things get put on hold again. Let's leave it to, mm-hmm. you know, market forces. Is I mean, we've seen that right. on numerous occasions in numerous countries mm-hmm. all around the world. Is, is there a danger of that? I suppose. I mean, there's, there's, always, there's always a political danger, um, which is honestly why I... I don't put a whole lot of weight in the working group 232 situation and I kind of never have. I mean, I, I like to have exposure to some U.S. companies that I like regardless of the situation, um, overall, long-term macro. And just in case, not only as a speculation on 232 in the working group, but because I like those companies. Yeah. And the fact that they're in the U.S. gives me some exposure to that. So, and regardless of what does come out of it, I think, or just positive sentiment, okay, nuclear is a growth industry. Working group comes out with all these great recommendations. The government's gonna buy all this uranium. Um, SMRs, awesome. Growing sentiment, life extensions. These, uh, the, the demand supply situation is clear. If you look at like a long-term chart, it's, it's stunningly clear. 
but the equities aren't going to move until the price moves. It's like everybody needs to see confirmation of all of this great sentiment, all of this great fundamental. But what does that mean? Like, what does it mean? Justin, what does that mean? Yeah. You're going like price. We need the price to go no, up. That's what it means. Yeah, but no one's going to. I know that's what it. That's what we want. And of course, we expect. But yeah. you say that's going to be moved by sentiment based on all of these things. Like what, what are all yeah. of these things? You know, it's kind of catch 22 here. And it's been catch 22 for far too long. Someone's got to blink first and, and go. And I haven't found anyone who knows, seems to know too much about what's going on. I mean, people have been calling it wrong for you know two, three years here. So what do you think is that moment it's, this year? What's happening? Potentially, yes. Uh, it very well could be. It's the, the industry moves so incredibly slow. I mean, it's glacial. And so I think that that, that adds to investor frustration is this seeing all of the positive things almost on a daily or weekly basis all of these great stories you know whether whether it's further supply destruction or further demand growth but the actual the time that it takes for these things for the fundamentals to play out and actually affect the price and get it to move is very very slow it's very slow and it's very difficult to predict in the short term so what are you hearing yeah i mean people people write to you they speak to you you got your newsletter yeah. going on yeah and we're talking about sentiment here again, a, a nice, warm, fluffy thing called sentiment. What are they saying to you? What are, what are they? What are their hopes? What are, what are their expectations? What are the we're big hearing. Themes? Well, I think the hopes and expectations are clear that it seems that we've got a serious, uh, incredible risk reward opportunity in a sure. contrarian bet. That's the hopes and the expectations up there. Up there. This plays out over the course of the next, I know you don't want to hear this, over the next <laughs> six months to you've heard a thousand times. Those are the expectations and the hopes. What am I hearing? I'm hearing that, um, well, first of all, I'm seeing that other aspects of the fuel cycle are rising. That's number one positive and they're not coming down. So that's really, really positive. And we can talk more about that if you'd like. What I'm hearing is that there is the most uh, long-term contract discussions happening right now since Fukushima. That's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that producers, so you basically have Kazatomprom, Cameco, Orono, uh, and to some extent Uranium One, that actually have any sort of meaningful production available for term contracting. And I'm hearing that these producers are rejecting offers in the 40s long-term and when i say long-term beyond let's say five years contracts they're turning them down um and cameco announced they signed 30 something million pounds in the they said at a price that we like you know they, they can't say the numbers because they probably signed an nda but they uh you know we can assume that's probably in the 40s if it's less than five years um and it could be even be higher so we're hearing that that term contract discussions and are, are increasing to the point where it's clear that the demand is coming back to the table. Mm -hmm. That's what we're hearing from multiple trustworthy sources. Um, we have yet to see the spot price react to that. The spot market is dead. Like I've never seen it this dead for this long. Um, it's quite frustrating because that's what the market watches. But at the same time, it's reassuring because the, there's, there's just no buyers there. There's a small amount of trading activity. There's almost no end user buying. But the price is holding. Okay, so 
So that means that there isn't some indiscriminate seller in the spot market. There just isn't, whether that's the, the Japanese selling inventory, because Adamprom is not there. Um, I know BHP just throws their, their uranium uh, into the spot market at any price, but the price is holding. So we're not seeing dumping and it's pretty well uh, understood that the spot market is relatively thin. What's, what's that ratio? Remind me, remind me again the ratio between contract and spot traditionally. Like as a percentage? Yeah. So is it being 80% contract, 20% spot, or is it 50-50? Oh, it's 60-40. 60 like, okay. a, like a term contract is typically 60-40 as far as fixed price to spot reference price. And I, I, I always get it confused. I think it's 60 fixed, 40% spot. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. interesting. Yeah. And do you, th do you think that, kind of, I don't know, do you, have you, I don't know if you've spoken to any utility guys and gals, you know, I know we have previously, but do you think the buying behavior is going to change going forward as a result of what they've seen here? Or do you think they'll just fall back into the usual routine? Um, I, I think it's going to change. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you happen to hear it. Uh, Marcelo Lopez from L2 yeah, Capital. Great guy. He released a podcast yesterday, um, the interview with uh, forgetting the gentleman's name from uh, CGN and uh, the, the, the Chinese um, utility. And he's basically saying that it was really interesting to hear him talk about it because he was saying how utilities, generally speaking, not just US, but worldwide, they have, they have their stockpiles that are sort of intended to be this cushion to be drawn down when prices are high. And right now they're drawing them down when prices are low. And the way to hear him speak about it from his, his perspective was quite interesting because he was like, these stockpiles exist for, for high price environments and they're drawing, drawing them down in a low price environment. It's quite illogical. You know, that was like the words that he used. And it's like, yeah, yeah it is illogical. And, and it, really, it really shows the short-term thinking that's going on. You know, the U.S. utilities, they're now at a, an almost a 10-year low in inventories. We assume that it's somewhere around 90 million pounds. And... Uh, and and so they've and the evidence is there. The spot market has been dead, so they haven't been accumulating there, and uh, conversion and and SWU are rising. So it's clear that they're taking their U three hundred eight stockpiles and running them through the fuel cycle. I don't know if they're doing this because the prices have risen so much in conversion that they're trying to cut costs on the U three hundred eight side, mm. or if they're trying to just make the books look good for one more year. I don't really know the exact reasoning that they're doing this, but it's clear that they're doing it. So now we have inventories at lows. We've got life extensions being announced. And, uh, and, and the term, a lot of these term contracts really fall off a cliff in a couple of years and we've got the fuel cycle. So the, it's clearly gonna change, especially with Kazadam problem, not in the spot market. So now we don't have this abundance of cheap uranium just available at any time to anyone, which the, the game really has changed in the past five to 10 years. It really has. How exactly it's going to play out going forward, I don't know. But we know that utilities are starting to come back to the table to contract. And that's really what we're betting on. I want to talk to you about, just very quickly, companies. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you're invested in a few uranium companies. Okay. We spoke uh, recently to David Cates, Denison Mines. You know, I want to. It's been around for a while. Obviously, they've got you know got a couple of projects today. Um, yeah, I was intrigued by their business model actually, because I'm looking I'm looking at some of the players, certainly Athabasca players, the main the main names, 
who've got you know you know sitting on big assets and they've got these billion dollar plus infrastructure uh, setups. You know they're going to need to raise a lot of capital, a lot of capex, mm. a lot of opex to kind of get that, which obviously restricts the sources and places they can go to for these. And, and I and I kind of I was looking at this um, Denison model. And it, it's kind of interesting. They 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 kind of like a lot of, like a few gold companies we've spoken to, a few silver companies, a few copper companies. They said, actually, we could we could go big. This MPV could be huge. But I think strategically, it makes sense for us to reduce the size of the operation, but get into production early to allow us to have the conversations with the utilities about contracts, which we were just discussing to say, hey, we're a producer. And oh, by the way, we've got a bunch of stuff coming up behind which can give us the scale that you know you mm. and we need here. And I, I just I just thought right. it was interesting. I mean, what's, what's your take on those guys? I don't have a view. I just <coughs> thought it was interesting to talk about a model like that uh, mm-hmm. when I'm talking to one of the kind of, you know, mid, mid, mid-tier guys. Um, Junior is obviously a whole different ball game of exploration and you know, where, where do you fit in the cycle? But what's your take on, right. on, that, on that model? It's interesting. Um, I'm not. I'm pretty familiar with their projects. I'm not as intimately familiar with their financial situation per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that their um, their ISR thing that they're working on, Phoenix. Um, uh, yes, has. Uh, a, there's a lot of doubt that it can work. They mm-hmm. seem to be pretty confident that it can. Um, it still has a decent capex, I believe, north of 300 million, which yeah. is very high for ISR. But they've got high grades and a big deposit, so still they pull it off. The cash costs are relatively low. Um, even the all-in costs are relatively low, even considering that capex. Um, they do have cash flow from the mill that makes them unique. That they're a uranium company with cash flow. Mm. They're one of four or five or six. You know, <laughs> not very many. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, I think that's a bold move to move towards production before you actually have contracts, let alone a market with prices that. Oh, uh, let, let's be clear. It, it's it's a move towards talking about getting into production. <laughs> I mean, obviously, they considering they have cash flow and they're well established in the in the basin. Um, mm. You know, I think that if they can prove that this process can happen. You know, maybe they get a JV partner to help that that capex just to get some more pounds coming through. Um, and I believe they've been doing some decent insider buying. The share price has been absolutely destroyed, primarily yeah. from URA selling, and that just yep. being snowball to yeah. them and a half dozen others. That is, I believe, it's mostly there. They've been clearing out the books to make room for Kazadamprom holding, and it's just absolutely crushed. A lot of stocks that's i mean that's i mean not to get too deeply into that but over the past month and a half two months it's been brutal yeah and i think it's, it's the, the amount of shares they've been selling relative to the daily volume is not necessarily uh overwhelming but it's had a it's had a momentum effect you know with with this with the the spot price just staying flat and buyers there's only so many contrarians in the world so the buyers are are few and far between and just a little bit of selling and it triggers the algos and it triggers hitting stop losses and it's just like yeah rough but yeah you know that that's happening and why it's happening 
kind of changes the framework. I think so. I think so. Like, and you know, it, it happens in other commodities, not not unique to uranium. We've seen it with gold, gold companies, copper companies in the last year, sure. which is funds just right. change their, they, you know, they volta fast, they come the opposite direction because yeah. you know, stuff happens. You know, look at you know BlackRock's yeah. recent announcement. There's a few. Uh, Royalty companies been hit hard because they don't kind of fit the profile anymore. You know, money is being withdrawn. So these are the things that these guys, highly paid individuals, um, have to deal with. And um, <laughs> right, you know, rather them than me, to be to be honest. But it's you know, so it's all it's all it's all part of the mix, right? Yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. Very I, well. Oh, you oh you totally didn't. You totally okay. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should be a CEO. It's, it's good. I mean, honestly, if, if I were, let me say this, if I were in Denison's shoes, I would probably wait until I have a bit more confirmation from the market before I do any significant capital raising and make steps towards that, towards increasing production or getting into production at all. I yeah, would, he, he I would they, I mean, wait. yeah, they've got like, you know, two to four million bucks coming in from their, you know, environmental services, the, you know, the, 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 the mill component, and obviously you've got UPC, they do all the management of that. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a chunk of change, right? But their view, yeah. I think, seems to be, we, we got to develop this thing, we got to do some exploration, we got to raise the number of answers and the, you know, the, so the, yeah. the resources. Well, they got to stay right? relevant too. They got to stay, all these companies have to keep some kind of news flow happening. There you go. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of like I guess it's it's kind yeah it's kind of like coming back to the energy fuels thing you know maybe maybe they they see something that others don't, um, but yeah when when push we we said you know are you going to raise money uh, soon and I was like I don't know I can't tell you you know they 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 they, they close up shop here but um, it was it was certainly interesting to talk about the model and that's the that's the bit, that's the bit that kind of gives you clues as to how they are going to manage things um, going right. forward. And I guess having one of the, the Lundeen family on, on your shoulder kind of focuses the mind somewhat as well. Well, there you go. Agreed. Justin, like, thanks very much. I mean, great, great catch up. And um, thanks so much for telling us, you know, what you know about what's going on in the marketplace, certainly around that sort of DOE announcement. Um, next two weeks My could pleasure. be interesting. We should catch yeah. up in a couple of weeks, but I think there's probably gonna be something interesting to talk about. Well, I hope there is. I think so as well, yeah. Yeah, look forward to it. You, you yeah. gonna, are you going to put a, are you going to putting any money on that, or are you going to be buying shares now for the? I I feel comfortable in my positioning at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I've been buying over the past couple of months to the extent that I've been able, so I'm 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 comfortably positioned, and uh, I will buy more if I can, and if we continue to consolidate. But Beautiful. I think uh, I I think we see something something positive and some movement this year. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.